What's up, everybody? This is Moonshine, sitting here, Shotgun Mulligan Podcast. Got a big week, sitting here with my boy, CC Stats. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. What you drinking over there? Drinking a little, uh, oh, forgot. It's one of my new favorites, a little TC whiskey, a little Traverse City from my friend Katie, who made a trek home and brought some back. It's been my go-to lately. Nice. Traverse City, no free ads, but Traverse City whiskey's what's up. Your boy's got an old classic tonight, man. Oh, what you got? Ooh, classic. A little Coors Light. A little ice Ooh. cold oh. Bud Light, baby. Oh. I don't mess with I don't mess with that water Coors <laughs> beer or multi millers. Come on, nice. man. <laughs> so everybody, we got an awesome guest tonight. Uh, we're excited about it. We had a great interview. So Martin Chuck, top fifty golf instructor in the country. Um, you you probably know some of his inventions, the tour striker. Um, several other golf inventions over the years. He has a great golf academy coming uh, come from Phoenix, Arizona. So we're going to pop it off this episode, start with Martin here. So enjoy this interview. You're all going to love it. Well, thanks for coming on. It's been uh, been wanting to get you on for a long time there. Uh, I love it in the studio, in the workshop there. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in my garage having a white claw and uh, talking to you guys. All good. Cheers, cheers brother. Got us a little, got me a little Bud Light. <laughs> there you go. So you're um, you're out in Phoenix, right, Martin? I am in uh, the golf school is at the Raven Golf Club in Phoenix, and uh, the fam and I live in downtown Chandler, Arizona, a little suburb. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where should we uh, golf out there? I've been wanting to make a golf trip out out there. Uh, I assume well, we need to hit up the Raven, right? The Raven's a must play. So, uh, assuming you're flying in, most folks will. Play the Raven either right when they get off the plane or right before they take off because it's 15 minutes south of the airport. My favorites, um, you know, I, I always say, you know, I, I love, I'm not a big fancy schmancy guy. Sure, I like a fancy country club from once in a, once in a while, but I think Papago is great. I love the Raven. Uh -huh. If you're going to drive a little bit, I would drive out to say play Wicopah. Um, Quintero is great. That's a bit of a hike, but it's, Fantastic, fun course for vacationers. The the naturals are obviously um, Troon and um, oh gosh, um, what's the name of that golf course up there? I mean, there's there's a bunch of Scottsdale courses that are great. You know, you pay a little bit more money to play in Scottsdale, but you know the golf is fun and the scenery at and around the bar afterwards just as fun. So That's Scottsdale great. is a lot of a good time. Good golf town. So, yeah. um, Martin, I was always wondering what kind of put you on the map. Was it kind of your inventions or, or, or coaching or both? or, or what you, kind know, of I, you know, I'd say that um, a little bit of good luck, really. The, you know, I've always been a passionate coach. I mean, I grew up loving playing the game my whole life. You know, so I've been teaching the game since I was 16. I'm 52 now, so I've been doing it a long time. The, uh, my mentor was a guy named George Newton, a Canadian guy who had won – he won eight times in the PGA Tour, never won a major. He finished second at the Masters. But he was a phenomenal ball striker and highly regarded as a, as a great striker among his peers. I mean, you can go look at YouTube videos and just type in George Knudsen, K-N-U-D-S-O-N. And so he was, my, he was my coach as a kid, and, and it was neat to be around him. Another great guy named Ben Kern. He was the director of golf at the National Golf Club in Toronto. A fantastic facility. Still my favorite golf course in the world, to be honest. They could, you could call them and say, hey, we'd like to host a US Open. And they could, they could literally pull it off, let the grass grow for about three days. And you would challenge the best players in the world easily. That's awesome. And so I, I grew up in a junior program around there when I was 12. That was a bunch of really good players that went on from Canada, went on to play in US scholarships, which is pretty remarkable. And in fact, I was just looking at an old video, a buddy, a buddy of mine sent me that was uh, some clips from when I was a teenager hitting balls, which I have never seen, which was kind of funny. And, um, you know, so me as a, I played golf, I played at New Mexico State University, was an okay college player. I got my Canadian tour card first time at Q school. I played for three years up there. I didn't, I didn't set any records. And I, I loved playing, but I got offered a club pro job when I was 26 years old in Palm Desert, California at a place called actually 25 place called Indian Ridge Country Club. And that year we hosted the Bob Hope. And it was a job where I was actually getting paid real money to be a club pro. 
and I took the job and I, and I was a club pro for 16 years at three different places and enjoyed that and enjoyed, you know, helping members running a club running, you know, teaching obviously a ton and I enjoyed it. And then it was, um, some good fortune. I was always kind of inventive and the, I had an idea for the tourist striker training club years ago, just because everybody that came to me was kind of scoopy, didn't really realize how to strengthen the club face and how to get the wrist conditions in a good place. So with the training club, you can only hit it one way, really. And I told my wife, hey, babe, I think I got a good idea here. And this was, this was in, man, I can't even think now, 2006. And so 2006, have this idea. By 2000, took a couple of years to kind of get it on, get it on board. And I've got, mm-hmm. I've got them laying around here all over the place. Let me grab one. So this, this funky club right here, uh-huh. You see that guy right there, kind of an elevated leading edge. Yeah. You know, yep. and so the whole, whole thing about that, that, that became a really successful infomercial in 2010. Like we sold a ton of these things on the Golf Channel through Gary McCord. And um, it was great. And so that, that kind of put me on the map a little bit as a, you know, guy in golf. And shortly thereafter, I got picked up by uh, Revolution Golf, which was a, dynamo on the internet marketing scene for golf so i was a regular contributor there they had a couple million viewers at one time and every every week i was on once or twice kind of explaining something golfers struggle with providing a tip and and people liked the way i kind of delivered a message and so that's kind of what really kind of got me going on the instruction front as far as being a somebody of note as as a coach you know, and, and then from, my, from there, my wife's like, Hey, why don't you just do a golf school? And then I'm like, good idea, babe. So we took that moved to Phoenix and, and I've obviously have other products that I've invented. I've got three patents and a couple more that are in process and just enjoy thinking about the game. I've got prototypes lying around the office here that I'm putzing around with and a couple of fun things that uh, should come out in the next year or two that I think will help golfers even more. So enjoy it. That's great. So uh, over the years, like um, you're kind of talking about some things that you just pick up um, from amateur golfers. Do you mainly um, just teach amateurs or pros or do you kind of do a little combination now or um, more just kind of focus on your academy? You know, I think my I'm pretty lucky in that I get to stay, you know, in one place for the most part and coach recreational golfers. I always joke, you know, my favorite kind of people are those with time and money because you know, they, to come to a golf school, it's not, it's, it's, it's not inexpensive. It's not crazy expensive, but it's a commitment of time and it's a commitment of money. And, you know, we do a golf school every week um, through the season in Phoenix, every Wednesday through Friday. And I'd say my average client's probably somebody who's, you know, late forties to, you know, middle seventies. And sometimes I've had, you know, 80 year olds and my oldest is 90 year old. So, you know, we get recreational older players that are seeking to get better. And, you know, I'm the common man's coach. Have I taught tour players? Absolutely. Um, Do I enjoy teaching tour players? Of course I do. I mean, it's their physical specimens who, uh, you know, are faster and amazing at what they do. But the reality is I have zero um, intent to like follow the tour or week to week travel. I mean, that means nothing to me. Like I, I'm right. a lot of my um, peers out there coaching tour players. I give them a lot of respect because the travel it takes to be a tour coach and keep your family together when you're on the road is a miracle. So congratulations to those coaches that travel the tour with tour players and can keep, keep things on the home front organized. Cause man, I tell you what, I, I got a couple of busy kids. I sure, I sure couldn't do it. Yeah. So I'm blessed to be able to do what I do teach, you know, I teach a lot of really good players, but I'm not going to go on the road to teach them. That's great. Martin, yeah, you, you said, you mentioned amateurs. What's one thing out of the recreational golfer that, that they come in, what's kind of one thing that kind of stands out that, that you're working on the most with them? Like what's one thing that you're seeing a lot of, you know, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's the most, it's the most basic things. And it's, you'd be surprised the golfers that come see me, I get newbies, which I love. Like I love teaching newbies because I get to inspire them to get their hands on the club properly. You know, typically some golfer wants to play golf and some well-meaning coworker or uncle Al will take them out to the golf course. Right. And the first thing they do is they say, Oh, you want to play golf? You got to, 
put your hands together like this. This is the interlocking grip. You do that. That's how golfers do it. Well, you know, so what happens is people put their hands together, webbing to webbing, and now they really don't have a place to put their trail hand on the club nicely. Mm-hmm. You know, so if a newbie is with a, uh, an intelligent, thoughtful coach, and think about a coach. A coach isn't somebody who patronizes you. I mean, if you guys have played other sports, you know, maybe you've had a rah, 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 you're a lovely person coach all the time. I grew up playing ice hockey my whole life, you know, seven years of football, a few years of rugby. Um, I was in a band with a crazy band leader guy, you know, rest in peace, but he was a hard ass. So good coaches are sticklers about detail and procedure. And like, I like to, you know, cut it up and have fun with people, but I'm a like, I'm going to take a newbie. I'm going to get their hands on correctly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show them how to walk into a ball correctly and stop them when they mess it up and make them do it again. So to your point, I mean, most people have a bastardized grip when they show up. And, if, you know, they always joke, if you change your grip, you lose a friend. Well, you know, I always say that, but I'll say to them, hey, listen, you've got a really weak grip and it might be, you might grip it for comfort, but it's not really functional. Let's grip it for function. And it may not be comfortable for a little while, but it'll make the club face go to a spot that gives you rewards if you'll stick with it a little while. So I can usually sell them on the idea of the change. And the nice thing about a golf camp is it's three days. So I just say, suffer with me for three days. We'll have a good time. I could care less if you hit a good shot. I know you want to hit good shots. Your ego will like good shots. But if you just stick the process and work on the routines of good golf, on the elements of a nicer grip, understand you know, where the face needs to be, where the weight of the club needs to be, and how you can, you know, inspire the, the club to help you rather than fight it and force it the whole time. You can enjoy golf and hit a lot of satisfying shots, not just the broken clock where you're, you know, you hit two good ones out of the whole whole day. I like what you said about detail. I coach, I coach baseball, I coach my son's travel baseball team. And cool. we have some good kids on the team, but, and they know they're good, but it's them understanding, like, you have to do pay attention to detail otherwise bad habits creep in from time to time and then Completely. you're going to suffer i know i mean i just played golf with my son and he's 12 and he's uh you know he's a he's got the bug which is awesome and he and he could be good possibly i mean he may you know do it solely for recreation but at this point you know he's got some elements in his swing that are really really cool and i'm a stickler for okay buddy come on give me a good routine good walking routine Give me a waggle, take a look and go. And I frankly don't care how he hits it. I want to see him walk into a shot correctly, set up correctly, waggle, take a look, start his swing. I mean, you, you can't control a golf ball. Some really good players might hit it in the middle of the face. Their, their club path and face deviations are tiny. The ball sort of goes where they're looking. Mm-hmm. You know, I always joke in golf, sometimes with a windshield, sometimes with a bug. And, you know, as long as your routine and your understanding of things is, is a consistent on and on behavior, ten, you tend to be the windshield more than you're the bug. So, you know, golf isn't something where, oh, I hit a bad shot. What did I do last week that was good? Oh, I missed it. Oh, what did I do two weeks ago? Right, everybody just kind of tends to go and go through the file folder by the, if they make two bogeys in a row or two doubles in a row, oh, they're always going back to kind of fixing something. Now, there's no question that in golf, there's technique that will help you be more reliable amen to that and a good coach will help you understand that but then to become a really good golfer you know it's decision making it's routine it's you know the execution part is reliable or unreliable that's golf you might you might have the best swing in the world and hit it one inch on the toe with a driver and hook it out of bounds you know so golf's that hard if you're a high-speed player it really is Mm -hmm. you know and it's more amazing when a golfer plays around a golf at at the tour level and say drives it in the fairway all day. That's remarkable. At 115 miles an hour to hit the middle of the driver face, that's remarkable because like literally that dimension and my finger thickness toward the toe will gear affect the ball that could potentially go to bounce or that same amount of heel hit can make it go out of bounds to the right or for the right-handed golfer. You know, so golf's that tricky and so much of its mindset and you know, if you hit a bad shot, can you let that go and move on and think about the, the next best way to advance the ball successfully for the lowest score in that hole, whether it's just saving a par, saving a bogey for that matter, you know, just getting out of there and then moving on and seeing if you can get in a rhythm of a, you know, a positive trend before it levels out and potentially dips down. And I just say, Hey, keep trending. That's golf. You keep trending the right way. 
you're doing awesome. Like that. That's great. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about almost simplifying the game because so many times, Martin, I know when I've had lessons from different instructors over the years and thinking about the game, I'm trying to overanalyze things too much, but the most productive lessons I've ever had, the instructor just changed my ball position a little bit, changed my grip or adjusted my alignment, just something, something small. And it's, it's pretty awesome that that can really affect your game quite a bit. Oh, totally. You know, it is, um, you don't have to show somebody how smart you are as a golf coach. You know, I, I always say, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I like to, you know, listen to the student. You hear, they will tell you their idea of what they're doing. Okay. And sometimes that's pretty accurate. And sometimes, honestly, they really don't have an idea. They don't have a clue and that's fine. Maybe they're not highly educated in the game and that's okay too. And so with those students, you know, you don't, you don't want to give them like a, a book of knowledge because they, they don't want it, right? So the better the player too, Mark, like to your point is that, you know, when I have a really good player coming to me, typically, you know, I'll look at them and I'll see if, you know, does, does the club path create too much possible friction to curve the ball? Yeah, maybe. If it does, okay, well, what, what do we get it to be a little less severe? Like, Good players tend to get too inside out. They don't usually tend to get too outside in, you know. So um, good players might, their pelvis might get in the way of the grip of it, and that might cause for the handle to get pushed around and the face might roll a bit more than you want it to, right? So you start looking at some of the things that the good player might um, suffer from that takes away from their reliability. And then the other players, like the newbies, you know, they really need to kind of learn, you know, how to swing the weight of the club with rhythm. Um, what makes the ball go where it goes? They don't really, a lot of them don't understand, you know, why taking practice swings in the wet grass might affect how far their golf ball goes. You know, that's a mind blower, the, the whole idea of a jumper, like a, a flyer lie, because, you know, you lubricate the face. And then like, for example, like I swing a seven iron about 85 miles an hour. Okay. I hit it about 165. If I hit, you know, if I hit it off a clean line, it goes 165. If I hit it at a light rough, I might fly 180. Mm-hmm. And now some, some amateurs are all pumped. Hey, I just hit seven iron 180 over the green into the lake and made double. <laughs> Boy, did I hit it great. You know what I mean? But they don't understand that they just lubricated the face. The ball rolled up, the, launched up the face with less spin and it launched higher, and now, now it's really not a seven iron anymore, it's some other club, right? So educating them, I had this amazing junior in today, like this girl, I'm gonna say is gonna be a household name at some point. And, and here's the amazing thing about this girl. Any coach in the world could coach her, anyone. I, you know, I shouldn't say that, some coach might mess her up, but all you gotta do is stay out of her way and keep her I mean, this girl was 12, like I'm like five, nine and a quarter inches tall. She's like five, 10 already at 12. <laughs> okay. She swings her driver 100 miles an hour easily. It looks like golf is like, she's falling out of bed. She's so good. It's stupid. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she's so much better than the other women, professional women I've taught. It's ridiculous. The only thing that she needs to learn how to do is kind of like, all right, you're 40 yards out in the light rough. The pin is in the back. There's, you know, she needs to look at, be able to look at a scenario and make a snap decision that isn't disastrous. She, need, she needs to look at a scenario, be able to choose a club and, and forecast the outcome that is, could be potentially be successful and then be able to maybe pull it off. Now, when you're 12, you don't have a file folder of, that you can go and go, oh yeah, this shot, because right. she's 12. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But physically, she's a massive gift. But she needs to have the experience and the, you know, to go around a golf course and because to put a tee in the ground and rip a driver, LPGA tour players would be like, "Excuse me, what was that?" Because she could go outperform a ton of the best in the world, full shots today. Now, where she's going to get run over is like within 120 yards of the green, making choices and then weather and wind and not knowing exactly how to deal with all those little pieces you see Mm -hmm. that's where experience and some really good coaching not instructing more coaching will help her just 
you know, answer those questions the golf course throws at her because that's what golf is ultimately. It's a series of questions. Do you have the answers, right? Yep. So in, when you're talking about like golf course management, um, how much of that like is part of playing good golf? I mean, for the amateurs like, like myself and, and uh, Chris, um, you know, I'm always thinking like how much is instruction? How much is the mental game? Like what do I need to focus on a little bit more? Is it just kind of, um, does it just depend? You know, I'd say that a routine, I'll tell you, here's another cool story. Okay. So there is, Scott, you know, Scott Fawcett is decade golf. So Scott's a friend of mine. He's a really smart fellow, very good player played on the, you know, on the corn Ferry tour back in the day. What I forget what it was called. Like when I played on, it was called the Ben Hogan tour hundred years ago. <laughs> then it was a nationwide, then it was the Nike tour and then this and that. Right. So back when I played on, it was the Ben Hogan tour, but Scott, Scott's an excellent player and he's like a math guy and like a problem solver. He, he caddied for Bryson DeChambeau when he won the U S amateur and he caddied for Will Zalatoris when Will won the U.S. junior and he basically said here hit this and aim it there and these guys basically just listened to him and they won their tournaments um, now to your point about decision making and routine you know I'd say it's a blend like really intelligent golfers can look at a scenario and it's like playing poker they they have they can they can make a bet that can potentially have a positive outcome versus some guy who's impatient, you know, makes a poor bet or does something bad that's going to probably have a negative outcome. Okay. So an example, um, greens, you know, if I use my iPhone, right, greens are, you're looking at a green. Usually we can see the back of the green and there's the front of the green from the 150 marker, right? So if we miss short, the chip up the hill to the middle of the green, I'm not talking up way a hill, but Greens usually have a little bit of a pitch and modern greens might have two or three sections within that general pitch, right? So when you, if you miss long, you're kind of giving yourself a bogey because, you know, even if you have a great short game, you're chipping to a green that's running away from you. It's a way harder shot than chipping up a hill to a pin. You know, when you look at a pin, you know, your front pin, middle pin, back pin, right? And say you are in the rough and you're 150 yards to a front pin. The only way you're going to get a close from the rough from 150 yards to the front pin is if it can bounce on. Well, is it a wet morning? Did the water all run down the green to the front of the green? Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. There's so many little possibilities yeah. that an experienced player can immediately know and then choose a shot that can give them the opportunity for a par or possibly, you know, worst case, and maybe even a birdie, but worst case, not, not mismanage the shot. You know, like my little guy right now, he's got technique pretty good. He swings it great. I mean, you know, on Instagram videos, if you go to Martin Chuck PGA, you'll see my son Jackson there. You know, he's a little dude. He's 80 pounds. He hits it 210, 215. You know, he rips it for his weight. He mashes it. He swings right. it about when you're 80 pounds and you swing at 80 miles an hour, you're pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but his, like, he's, you know, on or around greens and regulation the whole day. The problem is he might walk away with double bogeys or worse because he chooses poor short game shots that he can't quite execute. And then he might three putt. So it's like Hank Haney said, you know, you know, when he played and played with a ton of amateurs and stuff, the big mistake amateurs make is like, like, you know, one, one chip, three putts or two chips, two putts, or, you know, a really good player is a one chip, one putt, or at worst one chip, two putts. You mm -hmm. see what I mean? And, right. and huge, especially watching junior golfers develop. I'm you know, like pulling my hair out what little I have left <laughs> watching junior golfers now play and just the simple mistakes they make where, you know, you know, I still play a little bit. I've got a section event coming up. The guys get around pretty well. Like, you know, I'm playing the senior division, but it's like, they're still pretty savvy golfers. We don't crush it out there that far. Some of us still move it a bit, but you know, that we don't make that many silly mistakes. You might hit a bad shot. That's different. We don't make, you know, uh, you know, self-inflicted error. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, yeah, like the golf course management, I noticed like you're saying when I've played better golf, it's when I've been a little bit more focused on not just like how far I'm, I mean, for years when I was growing up playing with my dad, it was, you know, like you're saying, playing with your uncle comes out, says, you know, do your interlock grip, you're 150 yeah. yards out from the hole, hit your 150 yard club. And there's so much more to it. Like you got yeah. there's so many elements that you got to 
the cipher through. There's a great Gary Player story. So Gary Player is, I want to say, I'm going to paraphrase and I'm going to butcher it, but it goes something like this caddy, I want to say it's at Augusta because when you got to Augusta, they gave you a caddy back in the day. I forget what year you could finally take your own caddy, but it was for a long time. You showed up as the player at Augusta. You got assigned a guy, okay? Well, Gary Player is, I don't know what hole he's on, but it was early, maybe maybe second or third hole, his caddy hands him a club. And Gary, you know, I, I met the man a few times. You know, he can be a little terse. And he <laughs> says to the guy, excuse me. He, he says, well, no, Mr. Player, you know, hit this club. And Gary said, um, he said, Sonny, give me the four iron, which was way too much club. And he proceeded to chip four iron on the green. He said, Sonny, give me the nine iron, which was less club than the guy gave him. And he proceeded to rip nine iron on the green. He said, I'll do the club picking, please. <laughs> right? Because right. I've had that happen to me. You know, I've gone to, I've been abandoned. Luckily enough, I've been abandoned like 15 times now on boys trips. If you haven't done that one, put that on your bucket list. Okay. So Bandon's amazing. And I, and I always take a caddy there because I want the experience. Mm-hmm. In this uh, one year, same thing happened to me. This guy, this caddy, um, you know, who I'm sure could play a bit, you know, but, you know, I'm like, I, I'll play it for whatever you want, buddy. So here's the thing. It's a blustery, crazy day. And he has no, and I'm playing nicely. Like, it's like my buddies are shooting a wad and they're all pros too. But it's like, you don't really know how I want to play this shot. I may want to take a ton off and play it down, let it tumble, let it roll, let it just trickle onto the green. You know, so this guy is like pulling clubs for me because he thinks that's his job. I'm like, no, 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 just let's talk about baseball or hockey. Put the bag here. Tell me how far it is. I, you know, I can feel the wind, you know, and it's like, you don't have to tell me it's a three club wind because I can make the ball go where I want it to go. Now, if I was a hundred shooter, I had no clue. That caddy probably be very effective for that guy. But for me, it's like, you know what, pal? Let's tell each other stories. I want to get to know you and your family a little bit. Tell me about your brothers and where you're from and this and that. But I'll pull the club ultimately. What I want to know is, I played Bandon so many times, I know where everything is anyway now. But what I really want to know is, is there a bunker over the green? Is there something I can't see that I need to be aware of? That's about it, really. And then I'll pull the club and I'll either hit a good shot or a bad shot. It's not the caddy's fault, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I like yeah. what you said about planning, planning the elements. And I have the opportunity to coach with the first tee here locally. And I talk to the kids all the time, especially when we're short game. It's all about the elements, how wet, is it hot out, is the wind blowing, all those things. And I want the, I can teach them how to hit certain chip shots, but they got to understand how to do other things between the morning and the afternoon and the, you know, late afternoon and all things like that. And so getting them to understand it and some, some pick up on that and they get it. So, which is great. So I'm glad right. you said that. Good for you. I mean, that's, uh, you know, asking them questions. Um, and those kids, like, you know, my son, he had a couple of situations where, you know, he's by a cart path. Okay, well, how do you properly take a drop? Yeah. You know, what do you do? You know, if you stick in a bush, what are your options? If it goes in the, if it goes in a what do they call it now? And it's not a water hazard anymore. It's called a what? I don't even know. I got to read the new rule book because I'm all confused. <laughs> they call it a hazard, a penalty area, I guess. Right. So, you know, what happens when you go in a penalty area? Mm-hmm. And I mean, these kids have to, and you, and you can't just show them once. I mean, that maybe the geniuses learn once, but you got to right. show these kids 10 times how to take a drop properly, you know, and even my son who I was pretty convinced knew what he was doing. He took, you know, he wanted to take two club lengths from a card path. I'm like, no, 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 buddy. Nearest point of relief, one club length. If you're stuck in a bush and you choose the option to play it from where it's, you know, you deem it unplayable. Now you can take two club lengths from that point. Right. So, right. All those little things, like being a club pro, guys, is hysterical. Do you guys, do you guys follow Club Pro Guy on Instagram? Nice. And, uh, that guy, that franchise is congratulations for that silliness because it's hysterical. Um, you know, being a club pro for 16 years, I can't tell you how many times that a lady in the ladies' club deemed herself knowledgeable of the rules, really having no clue, but yet imposing her knowledge on some other lady and then coming to me afterward and I'm like, excuse me. So I'd say to the lady who thought she knew it all, Hey, listen, I get it. I appreciate you have a, you know, this flavor for knowing the rules, but you were incorrect. And then the lady who didn't have a clue, I'm like, Hey, it's your responsibility to kind of understand these basic ones that you're going to face all the time. So when you get somebody to challenge you, you actually know what to do. 
Right. That's confidence, right? And so, you know, I try to do ladies clinics and rules and have them in for a, you know, a cup of coffee and kind of go through it and explain it. So I was empowering them to use the rules to their advantage and, and, and feel confident enough to how to, how to use the rules. Because once you know it, it's not that big a deal. And you just tell right. somebody, hey, I've got a situation here. I need to take relief. Would you like to come check it out? You know, blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, that's a big deal. Definitely. But well, before I let you go, uh, Martin, I got to ask you, because you're a hockey guy, so uh, just to change it up a little bit, who's your uh, NHL team? Do you go uh, oh, one of the man. Canadian teams? or, or oh, are you... you know it, man. I'm from Toronto and the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'm 52 years old. They won the Stanley Cup 53 years ago, okay? So in my lifetime, they've never, I've never seen the Cup won in Toronto. They won it a bunch of times back when there were like literally no teams in the league not taking anything away from the original six and the, you know, less, less uh, teams to beat, but in the 32 team NHL now winning the Stanley cup, that's something that it's is huge. something. Now the Seattle crack and where are you guys from? I don't even know. Uh, DC area. So DC, Virginia. Cap, Caps fan. So you're yeah, good. You know, you're not a penguins fan. So we're good. Good. You know, I mean, OV, I love uh, Tom Wilson's an animal, oh, but yeah, no, I don't miss, uh, you know, when Timmy Panarin jumped on him like a spider monkey, <laughs> right. you know, and he tossed him to the ground. That was pretty crazy. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, I got a lot of respect for Ovi and, and the Caps. And so, I, you know, it'll, I'm sure they'll have another, another season where they get in the playoffs and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens then. I would have thought they would have gone a little bit longer last year, actually. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that Ovi signed his uh, another contract. So he's going to be in here for a little bit longer. Yeah, what do you get? Five more years? Or yeah, I think five and like almost forty-eight. You know what? I I would say the guy deserves it. He's going to show up and he's going to get. He's going to stand there in his hot spot, right, and and rip slap shots a hundred miles an hour. Poor <laughs> goalie. That's going to work for a while. He's going to score a lot of goals from that high <laughs> slot right there, right? It's so funny watching him play, and I know the golf fans watching this all of a sudden it turned into hockey, but right. you know it's uh, to to Ob stands there like he's waiting for a bus. And then all of a sudden this puck comes his way and he just tees off on this thing. <laughs> and this, you know, the goalie can either get it or he can. If he, and he's probably sorry half the time that he does touch the puck, right? Right. And he can't but, play golf with a lick. Oh, I bet he can. I love <laughs> You know, it's, it's um, back, you know, I know you guys got to go and I, and uh, I got to roll here pretty soon too, but, um, and I've got a few more minutes if y'all have time, but the interesting thing about athletes that come to see me Sometimes I'll get an at like I'll give you an example. Mark Kotze. Any are you guys baseball guys at all? Yep. Yep. Mark Kotze was a center fielder for the A's in Boston. This is going back 20 years now. Um, he was like the college player of the year one year, pitched uh he played for Cal State Fullerton, I think, and was yeah. this epic college player. Anyway, comes out and signs up for lessons. You've never I've never met a better learner than him. In other words, if I said something to him. He didn't get ahead of me. Okay. If I showed him how to grip it, you know, he was thoughtful and mindful and he put his hands on, he says, is this right? Yeah. Is, is like this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is how you walk into a golf ball. And he was really particular about getting the really important things down and his ego wasn't such that missing bothered him. Mm -hmm. So you saw this massive trend upward in his skill because all, you know, he was so careful about his grip and his walking routine. And then he'd miss, and then he'd miss, and all of a sudden he started to hit the face. Then he started to hit the middle of the face, and then you've got this crazy athlete that's faster, bigger, stronger. Well, he wasn't that big, but he was just a really strong guy. And all of a sudden, it's like poof, a golfer appeared. Where I get a, also, I get the other side of the coin. I get athletes who are like, "Well, I was an all-American at blah blah blah," and then they think they therefore should be good at golf. Right. And that is the worst train wreck you've ever seen. Because <laughs> you get these ego guys that, that, that were great at some other sport and think that's going to come to golf. And I'll say to people, I'll say in my golf camp, hey, put your hand up. You've played a musical instrument in the band. Anybody? Anybody? And somebody might say, you know, humbly, you know, I, put, I played trombone or whatever they played. I'll go, good, because anybody who played an instrument has suffered because you suck at an instrument. There's no getting around. You pick up a saxophone the first time. You sound like a duck that got ran over by a semi. There's, you're not good. And you're not good for a while. And the process to get good takes commitment. And so if you get a good athlete and they're in the right mindset, they can be special at golf because they're athletic. But you can take 
I love finding those musicians that have suffered through music to become, become good because they can look back and go, you know, you're right. I did suck and I worked on my scales and I worked at this and that. And I'm pretty, after a while, all of a sudden, I could kind of put it together and I was a decent musician. And that's how golfers get really good. You know, athleticism is different. Everybody's different. Some people can dunk a basketball. My record for the 100 meter dash, 80 meters. Everybody's different. Okay. So that's a joke, by the way. So if you have very good procedure, you can be exceptional in golf. Love it. That was great, man. Good a, stuff. Way to go, Moonshine. Nice to pull that go. one out. <laughs> that was a great time, man. Awesome yeah. conversation. Wasn't that amazing about like how he just analyzes the game and it just it's it he takes like it being he simplifies it, but then he explained, I'm just it's just blew my mind about he simplifies the game, but then to become a really good golfer, you have to know about like all elements that you're dealing with. Yeah. Like, and that's the, like, I could have talked to him for two hours. I'm literally ready to go book a book a trip out there. And I want to do the three day thing. <laughs> We're there <laughs> just to talk to him because it's stuff like that. Like I get giddy for, because like when I coached high school golf, like that's the stuff that I would talk about with kids. And, and it's just kind of, I think some people you have to kind of learn that. And you, we've, we've talked about that a little bit here, but understanding what shots you can hit, but what shots you can't, you have to hit in certain situations or what shots you, the reaction of the ball, as he says, when, when you guys hear the, when everybody hears the interview in the morning or late, you know, or just, it's just, you're, you're playing the game of golf and you can hit any shot, but you also have to play against the elements that are out there and how the, how the ball may react. So it was, it was really, really, it was a, it was a great interview. Um, I really loved what he had to say. Um, give him a follow on Instagram, Twitter. Um, but yeah, Martin Chuck, good stuff, man. Great time, man. Loved it. So uh, the PGA Tour is heating up. Stats, FedEx is coming down down to literally, the wire now. Literally, it's heating up because it's hot as you know what outside. <laughs> it's so hot. Let me tell you something. I didn't realize how hot it was today. I went outside at work for about ten minutes. I went, oh, and we just got fresh blacktop at our school. Fresh asphalt it's even hotter now than it was three weeks ago it's brutal but yeah it's uh it's heating up it's hot here i'm sure it's gonna be hot in greensboro um last last fedex cup last pga tour event of the season before the fedex cup kicks off got a three three event fedex cup uh coming up and i guess i guess it starts next week yeah with yeah, it's coming with week two being close by up here in baltimore Yep. Caves Valley, your boys got to make a trip up there. Take I know, man. Have to make <laughs> Might have to make it. Um, but yeah, excited. I don't know how much I'm going to – I'll probably watch a little bit more. I like the Wyndham Championship. Before we came on, you, you you were hating on it a little bit, but I like it. I like seeing those guys fighting for positions and I mean, kind of kind of seeing who's going to like jump into the 125, who's going to be right on the number and be 125. I totally agree with that. But stats, who cares about the winning championship? Like the actual I course, do. the like everyone Web knows Sim that Webb Simpson. Simpson's gonna win it. <laughs> what do we got? Is Henrik Stenson in this year? He's he uh, loves some Wyndham too. But I'm, nah. I'm pulling the I, I don't know. I like like obviously we know the top ten guys are all really like more cowas, speed, cantley, English, and Rom. I mean but there's also part of me that was like wants a guy to come from like 40th or 50th and like sneak in there and then he has a chance to win the FedEx Cup and win the 15 15 million dollars. It's 15 um, this year. Wow. Yeah. Um I mean, I know who I'm pulling for. I'm pulling for Doug Gim, past guest. Doug. Let's go. <laughs> on the shotgun mulligan. I want Doug I want him to play well. I want to see him play well and make it th through all three events and get to the tour championship. Doug right now is sitting. Yeah, I was trying to find him right now. He is sitting 83rd currently. He was 80th before last week, but dropped three spots. 83rd. So he's, he's safe and sound for the first event. He's going to um, need to move up a little bit to get into the second one, but he's going to do it. I feel, I feel he's going to be there. So, Here's a couple guys that are on the bubble right now. We'll, we'll start at one. I'll go to 136. 
He's playing this week too. 136 on the list, Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy. I know. Tommy. It's, it's kind of amazing seeing like him and some of these guys that are sitting here on the bubble. Justin like Rose, great, great players. We and got Rick, won, Ricky at 130. Like The guy that won the silver medal is sitting 141. <laughs> Rory Sabatini. Rory. Hold on. I want to back up. We, 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 weren't, we, didn't, we didn't have a, a podcast last week, but that guy played lights out in the final round of the Olympics. Dude, it was Rory. literally, literally, if, if Shoffley doesn't hit that wedge shot and spins it back, they're going to a playoff to see who's going to win the gold medal. Rory Sabatini, of all people, <laughs> who's not Dude, he's even a, from – He's, he's a not good even player. from Slovakia. Really? Wherever he – No, he's from, like, South Africa. His wife is from, like, Slovenia or Slovakia or wherever. He's one of those S-countries. Like, that's where he got dual citizenship. But good for him. I mean, he shot a 61 in the final round. That's pretty impressive. That and he impressive. got a silver medal. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a sneaky good golfer. I mean, your boy yeah. picks him on some uh, DraftKings every now and then because he can play. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the FedEx Cup. So, like you are saying, Fleetwood's at 136. He needs to move up. You said Fowler's at 130. So, Fowler was at 125 and dropped because he didn't play last week. Um, Piercy, who played really well last week at the Barracuda. Um, Nate Lashley. That guy mm-hmm. – Hey, Lashley should have won the tournament earlier this year, and look at him. He's sitting at 127. Yeah, it's wild how some of these people that are under the cut have actually had a good tournament here and there, and then I guess other than that, they just kind of fell off. Patrick Rogers, he's played well as of late, so you know, hopefully he can stay in there. Um, and then you hate to see those guys that are like playing well the first half of the season then kind of fall off the last – five, six, seven weeks, and then fall out of the top 125. I'm looking at the list. I'm not really sure. Brendan Todd, I think, was playing well early in the year. Not was. so much now. Sam Ryder, mm-hmm. Woodland. Or Charles um, Howell, even. I mean, Charles Howell, yeah. I don't know. This season, in general, he hasn't played great, but he has some stretches where he's played some really good golf. Yeah. So. Or, or this one, Francisco Molinari. Yeah, right. you it's know, like, it's funny. It's funny you say that because – I feel like the first part of his year was like he was kind of all over the place, and then he's had a nice little run where he was kind of up there, and then he hasn't played well as of late because I almost I was looking at him. But Seb Straka, Jason Day, I mean, I haven't – I'll be honest. I haven't – unless I click on his name here, I haven't heard much from him all year long. Now, he's only played in 21 events. So mm-hmm. um, who, who of this under, under the cut line, the top 20, 125, give me one guy – pretty far down underneath that you think is going to go through. So, so 126 or higher? Yes. Hmm. Let's see. Um, man, I mean, Fleetwood, I would think – I don't know how many points. I mean, he needs – 70 points to jump up so that he's gonna have to have a pretty high finish um i mean i, I the guy that there's a, a headline on on pjtour.com or a golf channel i gotta pull for ricky right i want to see ricky being i mean he has not had a he's played better as of late i don't know what happened at 3m everybody's saying now he should wear sunglasses all the time because he plays better right but i'd like to see ricky jump up there and get in the top 125 um yeah, that's that. He's probably the one that kind of stands out. I think out of, out of the guys are in within the shooting close distance. I mean, he's only one thirty. He's twenty six points back, so he's close. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple guys that are probably borderline, maybe falling out a little bit. But like Dylan Fratelli, he he has like three, four good weeks, and then must not play well because he's one fifteen. Wow, it goes to show you the PJ Tour is tough. It's tough. Yeah, you very, could just be on. Tough. You can be on top of your game and and playing very well, and then they're missing like five cuts in a row or something. It's just it's week well, to week. Think about think about the following week. You got to play even better. So if you're one twenty five and you want to get into the the tour championship, <laughs> you now you need to get into the top thirty. Or so 
you play the first event, you get it, you get in, excuse me, you get in next week. It's the top 125. And then it goes to so if you're 125 to get into the next tournament, the Caves Valley, the BMW Championship, you got to be the top 70. Right. You have to have a huge jump. It's almost like you have to be on the cut line of the top 70 after the first event, you know, yeah, like after the win. first quali- qualification. Or if have finished like second this week, if you're like Ricky, finish like second, third, top five, jump up, and then kind of that kind of projects you up into the top 80. So then you kind of move up, even have a chance to move up even farther. So, right. Like you could coast a little bit, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Whereas um, I feel like these guys that are going to barely make it over the cut usually don't make it to the next tournament unless they win or, or have a really good finish. But Hey, did you see, um, did you see Mickelson, uh, his tweet he posted or Instagram post he posted the other day? No. So I don't know if you saw the, the, it wasn't really trading barbs, but him and Harry Higgs are supposed to have a match at Liberty. I guess they traded some stuff a couple weeks ago and Higgs, Higgs said something, but he goes, well, I'm not in the field. He said, all right, well, we'll have a match. They're going to have a match on Tuesday at Liberty National. Oh, that's right. So Mickelson showed up. He showed up, I think, this weekend. He, uh, he had, like, his gray trousers on, his white polo, and he, had, he says, today I'm going with the collar unbuttoned in honor of Harry Higgs and I as a match. <laughs> I, I want to see that live. So Are they going yeah. 1v1? Uh, I don't know. It didn't say what they're doing, but – they got a little bit on the line, so I'm, I'm sure they have more than that. But I, that would be kind of fun to watch. I kind of love to be up there next week, kind of just following that match around. Right. <laughs> Probably a riot. Right. That's awesome. America's golfer Higgs, man. <laughs> playing playing Phil, which is – Phil's also like America's old older-time, you know, star yeah. golfer. So, yeah, going stuff. back to the FedEx Cup real quick. So, your top ten, you have – Morikawa, Spieth, Cantley, English, Rom, Answer, who won last week in a playoff. What a great playoff that was. Yeah, that was great. DeChambeau, uh, Louis, Thomas, Burns are your top ten. Sam Burns. Sam Burns, who's kind of – I feel like he's been there a lot this year. He's been in the mix quite a few times. He, um, he fell off a little bit, but I was glad I picked yes. him this past week, and he played very well. Like, I think he yeah. finished top 15 or something. I mean, he had a good week. No, he finished. No, he was top he, five, right? Right. He lost in the playoff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I didn't watch all of the fourth round. Yeah, he lost. I, I was listening to it driving home, and he lost. He I got home enough to see it. Hideki missed a birdie putt. Answer put it right outside. He made his birdie putt, and then Burns lipped out his putt. He lost, so answer one. Got his first win. So, Louie, we'll get to this in a minute. He already – well, I got two guys that I'm a little bitter at. Now, thank God I've, I've checked my fantasy roster when we talk about our DK <laughs> picks. But I have two guys that have already submitted at two separate times. They've already pulled out and went through because of – I don't know why one and the other one was a neck injury, but we'll get to that in a minute. Well, let's do it. Let's, let's jump on in, Let's man. go. I'm ready to do it. Low high, high low. What do you want to do? You you kick it off this week. What do you got? Let's do. By the uh, way, I've made a lot. When we get to our DGen picks, I've made a lot of bets this week. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> a lot. Dude, you across different the, tours. You got me on the groups. That's killing me, dude. Oh, I mean, payouts yet? I forgot. The, <laughs> the payouts are unreal, dude. Oh. I had a payout last week. I have to share this for the uh, listeners. Pay out one buck <laughs> if I would have hit one two hundred and twelve oh thousand dollars. It's crazy, nutty. I I and, had it, one. and it seems like it literally seems like you could hit. I mean, it's like a group of five, and I picked the the worst in all the groups, but they are all great players. I'm like, yeah, they could have a great day today and win. Out of those five people. Are you doing are you doing the actual round groups? Or are you doing the full tournament groups? Round groups. Okay. Same, yeah. same here. Yeah. I I picked one for the women's Olympics tournament mm-hmm. and I hit. But I don't know what happened because when I hit it, a dollar was supposed to pay like I don't know, hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks. 
but somebody must have pulled out. So a dollar paid like six fifty, and I was like seven fifty, and I was like, "What the hell? No, right. Like this was supposed to be a good payout." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, not happy. Yeah, your, your account's happy. gonna be drained by the end of the night. Oh, and I've I've won a little bit of money lately, but I keep making bad picks in golf. So yeah, I picked Lexi Thompson. I had Lexi being low. I think it was the first round. Corda and Minji Lee, and all three of them hit but I think somebody must have pulled out mm-hmm. because it like adjusted the odds. Yeah. $2 paid $5 and 81 cents. And it was supposed to be $2 paid a lot more than that. Yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> oh, that's not a happy camper. It's <laughs> like, Ooh, increase. I was you like, wait a second. Bad. Oh, better. Anyway. All right. You so I think we should off. go high low. Let's do high low. <clears throat> all right. Because with this tournament, you know, it's like there's a couple people that, you know, your boy's going to pick or probably pretty much everybody in DraftKings this week coming in at 10,600. Not a surprise. The Wyndham championship stud, your boy, Webb Simpson. <laughs> I did not take him. I might've picked him in a, a D-Gen pick. Dude, he's won like three Wyndhams or like two I, at least, right? I think he's won two. What's his home country club too? It's really? his home course. I think Sedgefield, if they're playing, I'm pretty sure they're at Sedgefield. It's his home course. Oh, I thought Quell Hollow was his home. No, Sedgefield is in Greensboro. Well, as I said a few minutes ago, I've had two guys that I picked as my top pick. Both of those guys have withdrawn from the tournament. One, Mr. Captain America withdrew. Lost that one. So I was like, you know what? I'll shuffle the lineup around. I took a guy that cost me a little bit more money. I took a guy that doesn't cost me a lot of money than when I shuffled around. I don't even remember who the guy I replaced him with. And then Louie withdraws today with a, <laughs> citing a neck injury. I'm like, seriously? So I had – I didn't want – I only could go so high. I didn't really like any of the guys. So I went at $10,000, Mr. Jason Kokrak, 10000 I love that pick. I had him last week. Yeah, Kokrak's money, man. He's pl- he's played having well. a really solid year. Yeah, the only tournament he's really not played well in as of late was the U.S. Open, and we know this tournament's no U.S. Open. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be all over it. Um, yeah, ten ten thousand dollars, Jason Kokrak. That's my high high pick. Love it. That's a that's a really good pick. So, uh, not to run too off the uh, recent success, but. I've been wanting to pick him for a while and I've been dumb and, and not picked him over the last like four weeks because he's playing phenomenal golf, even more than that, actually. So he has he had a ninth at Byron Nelson, 19th at Palmetto, Traveler's 19th, and then he rocketed up Rocket Mortgage and John Deere. He was eighth and then won the Barracuda Championship. Did you see he won that? 8,500? Oh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Eric Van Royen. No, Power. Seamus Power. Oh, Seamus Power? Or Seamus. Oh, he didn't win it. First? Last week? Oh, Barbasol. Barbasol. Sorry. My, your, boy's fo- bar- your, bar- your boy's phone's cracked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it said Barracuda. <laughs> oh, man. Good pick, this, though. I like it. He did says, play well last week, though. Because his BLs hit me a little too quick. <laughs> But no, he's been playing awesome, man. The Irish, he's he's one of those guys that this week he's higher value, and I wish I would have picked him several weeks this year because he's been on the leaderboard, high on the leaderboard, and he's like usually sixty five hundred or seven thousand something. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one. So hopefully he keeps up the the hot streak. All right, my number two pick, who stands at a hundred. I mentioned this a few minutes ago. Stands at a hundred and where is he? Where is he in the picks? I know he's here. I know he's outside the top one twenty-five. Which I thought he was. Maybe I was looking at the wrong list here. Moonshine. Maybe not. Anyway, uh, this guy. Um, I picked him in the in the Olympics. He played respectable. So I have um, – oh, he's, he's – excuse me, currently he's 120. Maybe the list I was looking at earlier was not the correct list. 
because Ricky is not 130. So I don't think that list was correct. Anyway, this guy is 120, so he's just inside Tommy Fleetwood at $9,700. I like it. Tommy's, Tommy's bound to play some good golf. Yeah. I don't know what – yeah, this – maybe I was looking at – I clicked on FedEx Cup leaderboard, and it, so this list that I have now must be the most recent one. Ricky is not 130. Ricky's 114. Oh, okay. So, that makes sense because I was like, how is he out when he's been playing better golf? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 9,700, Tommy Fleetwood, my number two pick for the week. I like it. So uh, my number three pick. So my all my last four or 7,000, so I kind of evened it out quite a bit uh, just to kind of spread the love. So coming in, let's see, we, what do we got him at 7,800, 14 to 26 cuts. He's had two top tens. He – had a really rough kind of middle of the season um missed a couple cuts but was playing well at points like early in the season but came back barbasol was second and he had a 28th at the 3m open your boy jt the postman nice postman jt posted like it uh did cameron champ win a golf tournament a couple weeks ago he did he's a 125 is he, he really? A, and he won a tournament. That doesn't. Well, he's played trash that... in all the other tournaments other than that one. I guess. I just. You're 125 and you. Anyway. All right. Well, I didn't pick Cameron Champ, but I just looked at the list. And I was like, really? I mean, this says he was. I'm not going off the beaten path, but. Uh, hold on. This is. So this list is a projected list. And then an official list. So officially, oh, officially he's 47th. Ricky is 130. Okay. Projected, so he he's supposed to be 125. All right. Makes sense. Now that, we've, now that we've cleared that up. But coming in at $8,000, this guy was a big wiener last week at the Barracuda where they used the Stableford system, the most points. First, 58th, 98th at the Open. Not so hot, but I like the way he's playing. Eric Van Royen. Okay. 8,000. Yeah, he's a good player. I like Van Royen. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might be a little tired from last week, but that's okay. Well, on the, uh, I was just looking on uh, Instagram the other day, and he's one of the top rated, you know, international golfers. Like he's in the top, I don't yeah. know who posted, I think it was Golf TV or something. They had like top 25 international golfers, and he's 25th because he's a good young talent. So, yep. He's a good golfer. I like it. So, uh, been one of my hot picks over uh, several weeks. It's a young dude from Chile. 7,900. Mito. Pereira. Played you know well what? at the Olympics, too, man. So, great pick. Great minds think alike. <laughs> Here we go. I also unsubscribe. Pereira. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I'm not listening to that anymore. I mean, if, if you don't have Mito Prayer in your lineup right now, I think something's wrong. The guy was hot at the Olympics, played well. He hasn't finished outside the top 10. Well, take the Barracuda out of it, and I'll, I'll give that to jet lag, whatever. But he finished fourth, sixth, and fifth between the Olympics and the Barbersaw. His first tournament on the PGA Tour, he finished 98th at the Rocket Mortgage, and he had two wins on the Corn Ferry. I think he got the automatic promotion. So mm -hmm. I don't know how you don't pick that guy. Yeah. He's got he's his on, card. He's on he's fire. On, yeah. You got to pick Mito. Pick me. Get a new nickname, man. That's right. Me. <laughs> All right. What's your next one? Next one. So had been playing some very good golf. Uh, but last or the last tournament he was in 3M Open, he was 153rd. So I assume he missed that cut. Yeah, he missed the cut. <laughs> um, but had a fifth, fourth, and an eighth. Laboida. Oh, Hank. Hank. Hank Laboda. Laboda or Laboda. Yeah, 7600. I, I know I've done this to you before. I don't like that pick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Just wait. I man. haven't seen Hank up on the leaderboard at all this year. That's just me. Dude, he's currently he's currently fifth, not fourth, fifth at the Travelers. 
fourth at the Rocket Mortgage, and an eighth at the John Deere. That's called on the leaderboard, bro. He's in the top 125. I'll give it to him. He's ranked 90th currently. Better hope he has a good week because some boys behind him are going to want to kind of move on up. So, well, I went with an American (laughs) who – not that Hank's not American, but I went with an American who has played well probably over the last six weeks. His worst finish since the Rocket Mortgage is 41st. He's got a fifth. 23rd of 39th and last week he finished 13th at the barracuda patrick rogers nice 7300 i'd like to say i'd hate that pick too but that's that's you a like good it? pick i that's like right. patrick he's yeah. been sneaky like playing a little bit better golf so he has he's a he's a good player so i like that all right last one last one man so uh not a big surprise that me and stats like our support and our prior guest so Uh-oh. we only have one pga tour guest uh so far a little little appearance from a uh question from matt kuchar to a group but um had him on last podcast your boy doug gim coming in 7300 so i had doug gim in my lineup doug gim and patrick reed were in my lineup and patrick reed withdrew from the tournament so i had to go pick somebody else so i picked the guy that cost a little bit more money I felt bad doing it, but I took Doug Gim out of the lineup. <laughs> Brutal. Took him out. But I went with a guy that's, I think, playing well. Not great, but well. Top 25s over his last three, 34th last week. I went with Sam Ryder at a cheap $6,700. <laughs> I'm going to say I hate that pick. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Actually, I just looked down. I have $400 remaining. So if I could finagle it, maybe I can get Doug Gim in the lineup too. Just maybe shuffle some things around. So we'll see. But hey, you won last week, didn't you? Yeah, your boy kills all the low pots, man. I think I every, finished third last week. Every time there's thirty bucks on the line, your boy wins it. But can't hit those majors or the big ones. But maybe, I wanna, maybe I'll get some good luck soon. I won a dollar last week on some random pool I entered. Yeah, I finished third by twenty-two points. So I was pretty happy with my week last week, but. I'd taken 25 bucks just to throw it all out the window because we're going to talk about DJs now. I threw a lot of money out the window. And I haven't even <laughs> made the group picks yet. Your boy. I did make gonna... some straight forecasts. Did you? Co- oh, yeah. I made Boy- four, four straight forecasts. <laughs> Simpson Matsuyama. I mean, why can't you have to pick that one? Simpson Matsuyama. I got uh, – Matsuyama, Simpson, Zalatoris, Matsuyama, and then flip it. <laughs> I like tried it. Try to do a couple of recoups of uh, three-stroke winning margin. I think somebody's going to win by three or more strokes. I took Brian Harmon to miss the cut. Wow. I also took – I guess I made this pick, and I think I did it by accident, which is funny because he's on your team. I took Seamus Power to miss the cut. <laughs> <laughs> Rude, man. I thought you said that was a good pick. Oh, well, it might have been. I didn't, Hedge, I, honestly, you're hedging, emotional hedge there. Yeah, I must have done that by accident. Let's see, going into the real stuff here, I picked Doug Gim to win. I did pick Ricky to win. Um, I even threw a dollar on C.T. Pan, the bronze medal winner, to win. <laughs> I like it. That's probably – that's probably C.T. is my biggest payout. A dollar pays 101. So I'll give you my – one of my biggest payouts. So hadn't played quite as well recently, but his a young talent played at Clemson. Chase, your your boy Chase Doc Redman. No, nah, <laughs> it was not a Chase Kepka this week. <laughs> your boy Doc Redman, one pays one fifty one. He's gonna win like at it. some point. He's gonna win. Oh yeah. I just want to win on this Zalatoris, Matsuyama Zalatoris, because a dollar pays three seventy one. That's nice. That's a nice payout. Dude, these parlays for the groups are insane. I love it. It's yeah, dangerous. It's dangerous. I'll wake, wake, I'll wake up tomorrow about six fifteen. Make that's see. That's the worst part for me in the morning. I get up and have my two cups of coffee before I get my day going. Dogs running around outside, kind of relaxing. And I'm like, Doo-doo-doo. yeah, oh. <laughs> that one looks good. That one, I like that one. I think I like that one too. <laughs> yeah, hopefully one or two of them hit. So. Speaking of bets, 
know this is not a baseball podcast. <clears throat> and we all, we, you and I both know DraftKings or FanDuel, they'll throw you a free bet every now and then. Right. Right. So they threw me a free $10 bet. Free. I'm like, well, I could just bet easy and make it back. Or I could just go all in and make a parlay. So I made a parlay bet the other day. I had four teams and a parlay. I had, actually, no, this wasn't, yeah, this was a $10 bet. I had the Nats. No, it wasn't that one. I take it back. I had another bet where I had the Phillies to score over three and a half runs, the Reds to keep the score under four and a half runs, the Orioles to score under four and a half, and the Angels over three and a half. Three of the four hit. One of the hottest teams in baseball is the Philadelphia Phillies of late. Now, I know they played the Dodgers, and Max Scherzer pitched, but he only they had a rain delay, so he only pitched for like three and a third. They were blanked by the Dodgers and didn't even score three and a half runs. It was a nice payout, and I lost the parlay because of the Phillies. <laughs> That's right. Not a happy camper. <laughs> those four those fourteen parlays are hard to hit. I only hit them like two or three times. They're so. tough. There's always tough. one. There's always yeah. one that gets you. Like you'll win the first three always, and then there's like yeah. you're waiting on the last one to hit, and then just it folds. Yeah, so that's why it's called gambling. <laughs> that's why Vegas is a big city. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got that right. You got that right. Well, but, I hope the folks out there in the podcast land enjoy our podcast this week with uh, Martin Chuck. Um, great chat. Um, I enjoyed it. He was great to talk to and uh, definitely worth a follow on Instagram and Twitter and, and puts a lot of cool stuff out there. So, yeah, it's going to be, you're all going to enjoy it. And one thing that he's going to teach you, if you ever go to his golf Academy is how to get up and down stats all day long get up and down. <laughs>